be in Luke chapter 16. Let me move this here a little bit. Move my Bible up here. Move this down here. Okay. Okay. I think one of the one of the mistakes that we're making in the Church of America is we're so used to this now. Uh, and the problem with this is it's good. It's a good tool. But we just go into little things instead of uh, reading the entirety of God's Word. Okay. Last week we did a sermon and we were, we're talking about um, afterlife issues. And this week I want to continue that and then next week I want to continue it. I wanted to conclude next week, but I don't know if we're going to be able to. See, there's a huge fascination with future events. If I were to preach a sermon on uh, the book of Revelation, I guarantee that the, 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 we would have people coming out of the womb. Because everybody wants to know, what, what's going to happen in the future? Okay, uh, What's it going to be like? So there is a fascination. But when Jesus comes back, I do not know. I'll just be honest. I do not know when he's going to. No one knows. So if anyone ever predicts today, oh, he's going to come back this day, don't listen to him. Because the Bible is very specific about that. And says that no one knows nor the hour. However, there is a future in, in front of every one of us. Because there will come a day when we will breathe our last and we will stand in the presence of God. Do you want to know what the number one cause of death is? It's called conception. <laughs> because everyone who is conceived will die someday, physically die. Very few times in Scripture do we see anyone that, that missed death? Some examples of that would be uh, Enoch, and another one would be Elijah. But besides that, and Jesus, and, but besides that, everyone else has gone through a period where they have breathed their lives. And so there's a, there's a fascination, and we actually call it uh, uh, heaven tourism. It, it, it is an industry where people write books and say things, and people eat those books up, and they'll, 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 they'll read them. Uh, movies have been done about it. Uh, television shows have been done about it. Uh, you know, some of the movies, uh, and I did put It's a Wonderful Life in there just because an angel Clarence comes down, but even though uh, the guy didn't die. But in the 1960s, there was a movie called The Littlest Angel. Anybody remember that movie? There's a, a 1980s uh, a movie called Ghost. Um, another one, uh, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Heaven is for real. The most recent one would have been The Shack. Now, these movies, I'll be honest, are not biblically accurate. And the Bible is the, is the, is the foundation of everything that we look at. So, if the Bible says this is the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. I don't care what anyone else says, this is the way it's going to be. Now in the 1990s and 2000s, there were some television shows that came out that focused on it as well. Uh, Highway to Heaven, and then the other one is Touched by an Angel. My favorite angel on Touched by an Angel was Andrew. He was the angel of death. Isn't that morbid? But I like him so much because it brought comfort. And I think that God gives us insight into eternity, little glimpses from time to time to bring us comfort. Because as the Bible says in Corinthians, if there is no resurrection from the dead, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There is no hope. So, with that said, 
uh, uh, we, we were going to look at this today, and we're going to look at uh, a, uh, the scripture found in Luke chapter 16, because that is the one that gives the most, the most uh, view of that period in our existence. Did I make sense in that? Uh, I'll, I'll explain more. But before we do that, I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, it is written that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. What makes this sermon so exciting, fun, and difficult is the fact that we don't know, we will never understand totally until we stand in the presence of Almighty God, what is in store for us. We will never understand the holiness of God until we stand in His presence. We will never understand the, the, um, the sacrifice of Jesus until we see Him face to face. And I think at that time, we're going to be just, we're going to be just bowled over. So the question raises is this. How do we get there? But not just that, is what happens immediately after we breathe our last? And I'm talking about the first second. I mean, people ask me this question, do we go into a place of holding, of waiting? Uh, do we know what's happening? Uh, does it, uh, do we immediately go to heaven? You know, all those things are what usually come to questions that people ask. So I'm going to go to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 is a, is a, um, um, some people consider it to be a parable, where it is a, um, a story with a meaning behind it. Other people consider it to be where Jesus peels back the spiritual realm and gives us a glimpse. I am leaning more towards Jesus peeling it back and giving us a glimpse. The reason for that is just because this is very specific and very, uh, very unique. And normally when Jesus gives a parable, he will say something like, you have heard it said. You have heard it said. Parables don't give names. This gives a name. So this is very specific. I was at a pastor's meeting on Thursday. All the uh, Mercer County pastors and from the Sly area get together and we pray for each other. And we talked about it. And I would say the majority of those pastors agree with me that they think that this was appealing back where Jesus saw this and therefore he gave the story of his account. So verse, chapter Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. He lived in luxury every day. Whenever I read this, I always think of me. And you. By the world's standards, you live at the top 2% of the population of the world. You know that. We are rich. Every one of us is rich. The poorest person in here is richer than the majority of the world. And so I always think about it. At the gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sword. I mean, what? think about this. There's the dogs coming and, and lift the goo coming off his body. So here, here it says, 
The man, rich man, was basically eating, and what the rich people would do, or people would do, especially in that area, they did not have forks and knives, they ate with their fingers. When, when I'm in, in India and Bangladesh, that's how they eat. They roll up the rice into a ball, they soup it in the soup, and then they eat it that way. And then it's all on their fingers, and so they go like this. So what's happening is, is the rich man is eating his bread, or the crumbs, or the rice, and he's going like this, and it's coming off his hands, and he's he is so hungry, the beggar is so hungry, Lazarus is so hungry, that he desires even that. Verse 22. The time came for the beggar, that the, when the beggar died, the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Notice the difference between the beggar and the rich man. The beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. Then the rich man died, and the rich man died, and he was buried. I mean, I, I love the contrast here. I see the contrast here. The beggar died and was carried by angelic hosts into heaven. The rich man died and was buried. Verse 23, in Hades, Hades means the place of the dead. Where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Or some of your translations will say Abraham's bosom. Which symbolizes a place of peace. Okay? So, he called out to him. The, the rich man called out to Abraham. Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of my finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in such agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides this, between us you and us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, or can, nor can anyone cross from here to you. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let them warn them so that they will also not fall in this place of torment. Abraham replied, uh, they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. I always think of Jesus at this point. I mean, when Jesus died and rose again, there was bodily evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. However, people were so set in their ways that even though he was rose from the dead, 500 people saw him at one point. The, 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 the priests and the teachers of the law still did not accept it. And so, Abraham says, they won't, if they don't listen to the Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be convinced even if they see somebody raised from the dead. You'd think that people would, but you look at our society and a lot of other societies, the evidence of Christianity, the evidence of the truth of Christianity, people still won't believe it. Because they want to be the God of their own life. That's basically what it boils down to. My choice, my will, my life, my body, my mind, my mind, my mind, my mind. It's all mine. I don't care what I don't care what you think. It's my life. And da, 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 da. So a couple things that come out to me at this point is 
the finality of this. So we have the beggar that went to Abraham's bosom, was in a place of comfort, or, or and, and yet we had the rich man that was on the other side of the gulf, and uh, he was in torment. Also notice that the rich man was all by himself. Did you notice that? He was with no one else. Interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. So, let, let, let's snap it. What happens after we breathe our last? Okay. There is nowhere in Scripture say, thus saith the word of God, boom, 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 boom. We can only get glimpses. And so I'm going to give you my opinion based upon the glimpses that we get based upon Scripture. Notice I will always give you Scripture. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. As I said, there's a lot of heaven tourism out there, and it's garbage. Because it's not based upon Scripture. Okay? So, here we go. What happens? Number one is this. Angelic activity for the Christians. There will be angelic involvement in the ushering of Christians into eternity. I, I, I always think of babies when they're born. I mean, here you got this baby that's in the womb. Oh, and it's warm in there. And they're happy in there. And then all of a sudden they go into the birthing process and they're squeezed out. And all of a sudden they, they lose 20 degrees because they're no longer at was 98.6 degrees, and now they're at 70 degrees, so maybe closer to 30 degrees they lose. And why do you think they're crying? I mean, I, it, I mean, I was crying a month ago when it was 20 below zero outside, and I had to go outside. I'm sitting there going, this is terrible! You know? So you get this baby that's born, of course it's crying. It's scared, it needs to cry to get the stuff out of the lungs, so it's part of the birthing process, but mostly they're scared. What do they do to the baby as soon as it is born? They take the baby and say, Hey, here's the baby. By the way, good. There you go. Bye. See you later. No. Where do they put the baby? On the mom. What happens? The baby is comforted. And I think that's the same thing here, where when we die, even though we know what the scriptures say, even though we know we're going to be in eternity with Almighty God, even though all that happens, we are still going to be scared. The reason is, it's because we're not used to it anymore. Got that? Uh, many years ago, when I was in Finley, um, uh, I, was, uh, I went to Walmart. And while I was in Walmart, I came out, I had my packages, went to my car, uh, hit the key fob, opened up, sat in the car... It was the exact same car. It was in my key fob, opened the door. And I'm saying, something is not right here. Because you weren't used to it. And I hop out of the car, look around, see if any police are coming for me. And then I, oh, there's my car on the next road over. Okay? You know what I'm saying? Is sometimes it just doesn't seem right. You're not used to it. And I think the same thing with heaven. I think the angels will come. I think they're going to escort us into heaven because the word angel actually means messenger. And in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 it says angels are known as ministering spirits. So they do the work of God and they also minister to us. They are not under our command. Absolutely not. But they do minister to us according to what God wants us to do. My favorite, uh, my favorite angel uh, story is actually in 1 Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, 
where here you have this man named Elijah. He was a prophet, and the king of, of Syria was trying to kill him because he kept spoiling his plans to attack the Israelites. And what did God do? He sent an army of angels to circle, to circle Elisha and his servant and protect them. He, basically, it says, when he prayed, he opened his eyes, and the Lord opened his eyes to the servant, and he looked, and he saw the hills filled with horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. The angelic protection. I love that one. That is one of my favorite, favorite passages. I always think, if God were to open up our eyes here, what would we see? What would we see? You know, uh, I, I've shared the story with you. I, I'm not going to go in much detail, but angel means messenger. The Bible also says that be careful on who you, when you entertain strangers because they might be angels in disguise, so we need to be aware of that. There was a time in our lives when, before Polly and I were dating, and we had this guy that came up to us in a grocery store for absolutely no reason at all and took us aside and says, if you keep God in the center of your life, I didn't know who this guy is. He goes, do you love her? Yeah. Do you love him? Yeah. We never said if you loved each other up to that point. And he goes, if you keep God the center of your life, all's going to work out well. And he walks out of the store, didn't buy anything. And we're just staring at each other like, oh. <laughs> to this day, I think, I think, I can't be 100% sure that that was an angel. So they're ministering spirits, okay, that do the work of God. Psalm 37, uh, 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits set out to render service for the sake of the Lord? So I believe when we breathe our last, angels are waiting for us, and I believe they escort us into uh, the, where God has prepared for us. And I believe we are not going to be alone. And I think that's so comforting, because I'm going to tell you, we are social beings. And you made us that. There will be an immediate residence for everyone. For the Christian, it will be a place prepared for his own. Scripture passages. Right there. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, I'm confident that to say that uh, uh, to be absent in the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Luke chapter 23 states, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And this is when Jesus was talking to the thief that was on the cross right next to him. He didn't say in a week. He didn't say in a month. He didn't say sometime. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay? So there will be a place in immediate. Now, for those who do not are not Christians and do not hold Christ, uh, are not Christians, do not uh, follow Christ, they go to a place of holding and waiting for the final judgment. It's a place of torment and this is my opinion, they are alone. And based upon Luke chapter 16, we are social beings. People, if you ever met somebody that was a hermit, most of the time they're nuts. And the reason for that is because we, are, we were created to be social beings. Go to a jail and somebody who's in solitary confinement in the jail and see what happens to them. I think there's no worse punishment than to be, um, no worse situation than to be totally alone, to be totally away from all of you, and also to be totally away from the presence of God. 
I don't think we can even comprehend what that would be like. So they are alone. Notice he's alone in torment. Notice that the rich man remembers others. Notice that he sees what's happening. He, he can see what's happening in heaven or Abraham's bosom. He is, immediately goes to heaven or Haiti. He remembers their past. Um, he knows those who are in heaven because he says send the beggar because evidently he knew him. And also notice that it's permanent. You cannot go, once, once, you, once uh, life is over, you cannot go to heaven. In other words, things don't change. The sentence is there. Also notice, you cannot come back to life. There are some incidences in Scripture where people come back to life after they are dead. However, that is very, very, very few. Um... Samuel, which vendor, when Saul uh, was asking for him, is one. Jesus is another one. Uh, Jared's son, or Jared's daughter. Um, uh, the, um, uh, um, the widow's son. I mean, so there are some situations, but most, 99.99999999% no, it doesn't happen. Okay? Um, there are those who are at the point of death that have some experiences. We had a guy at my last church who died on the table, and he could tell you everything that was happening in the operating room and then went back. But it was, that, was, that was not a longevity of days death. Okay. All right. But even then, I'll be honest, I'm skeptical. Because if it doesn't line up with Scripture... It, I don't listen to it. I don't care what you what you say. It, it's scripture, 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 scripture. I got to scream that scripture is the key. Somebody comes up and says, you know, uh, uh, pigs are in heaven. How do you know? Because I saw it when I had my vision. Really? Is that in scripture? Notice I didn't say dogs or cats because I know some of them are in your pets and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. <laughs> oh, maybe I should just say mosquitoes are in heaven. Okay. No problem. Okay. Alright, lastly is this. There will be an examination of our past life by ourselves. And this is how I know that. Because um, many times in Scripture, when we are given a view of the... Um, when we are given a view of heaven and the holiness, that's when the... Um, um, that is when um, we recognize how awesome God is and how holy God is and how unholy we are. Isaiah was given a glimpse of the throne. And what did he do? He fell in place and said, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I think when we get to heaven, <clears throat> or in the presence of Almighty God, we are going to realize how awesome and how holy and wonderful He is and how insignificant we are. And yet in this life, we want to be the God of our own lives. I think for those who are going to be in Hades, they're going to be a, Hades is going to be filled with Christians. How do I know that? Because now you know the truth and you're going to say, forgive me, forgive me, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. It's too late. 
Too late. So he says, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And while he sees that, he sees the cherubim that are screaming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He sees the 24 elders that are around the throne that are bowing down. And and he, he realizes at that point the significance of the sacrificial atoning death of Jesus Christ. Because it took him to come to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have this experience of being in the presence of Almighty God. So he says, I think when I stand up there, I think I'm going to have an examination. I'm going, oh man, I can't believe I did that. Oh. And, and I think the sins that we've committed will go through our brain. And I don't think it's God that's going to be saying, no, you did this. It's just that we will naturally do that. But the neat part is this. In verse 7, when Isaiah saw how unholy he was, an angel of God went to the th- altar or the throne, took some tongs, put a coal, went to his lips. And he says, see, I have touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. When we recognize where we were headed, when we recognize the holiness of Almighty God, and then we recognize the fact that He has forgiven us of our sins, because the Bible says, as far as the East is from the West, He will remember our sins no more. Isn't that great to know? Because I think if we are honest and we were to stand up and we were to have a, a confession time, uh, you can go and say, Preacher, do you really know what I used to do? I'm going to say, it doesn't matter. You are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And we say, Amen, especially when we're standing in the presence of Almighty God. And so I think there will be reassurance in heaven that you are forgiven. And then, Will we be home? Hmm. That's where we're going to go next. There is so much more in scriptures where we get glimpses here and here and here. And we are, we, we are shown some glimpses of what eternity is like. Do you know that the earth will be destroyed? Do you know that? Do you know that? But do you know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? Do you know that? Do you know that the Bible promises you a new body? Do you know that? I mean, I've had this uh, sciatic issue for 20 years. And I am always in pain. If you go into my office, and I know Dennis Hinkle has caught me many times, my leg will be up on the the desk because it, it hurts that bad. And so he'll come up, what are you doing, sleeping? I go, no, I just can't, I'm hurting everything else. I go, it's just, and that's what I do. That's how I try to get comfortable. But a day is coming when that will be no more. Where we are given a new body and we are given a new home. What will that home be like? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, 
No human mind can conceive the things that God prepared for those who love Him. The neat part is, I'm giving you the sermon for next week. I should be quiet. But the neat part is, once it is over, it is finished. The devil will be locked away. The corruption will be gone. You know that? All things will be new. And things will be put back the way God originally intended it. Because of the love of Jesus. Death is arrested. You know that? I've asked them that be our closing theme song this month. Is death is arrested. Let's stand as we sing.